hey, I've decided to post this early so it's as relevant as it can be. Everybody else will rip it off by the time you hear it. So thought I'd uh, give it to you early. So this is actually Thursday's show, but it's on Wednesday. Trying something new. Now on with the show. All righty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 9th of February, 2023. Happy Thursday to you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. We're going to get to the uh, State of the Union address, the full attack on the State of the Union, the facts checking, the BS calling, all of that stuff, because, my God, there was a lot of it. I want to get to that as quickly as possible. Just want to remind you, Please support the show. Ask you, please support the show. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. You get extra shows. You get uh, contest entries, all that good stuff, or DerekHunter.locals.com. Thanks to Liz, no last name required. She uh, PayPal'd me and helped me out. And uh, I really appreciate that, Liz. I know I responded via email, but wanted to give you a shout-out here because you rock. So thank you for that. All right. Let us get, I feel like a D-bag even mentioning all these things, but, you know, that's what you got to do, I guess. But I appreciate the hell out of it. Just, you know, it's much appreciated. Not just because I didn't harp on it doesn't mean that. It just makes me feel weird. But, uh, yeah, please support the program. Now, let us get on with the State of the Union. What a joke. Did you watch the State of the Union address? I hope you were wearing hip boots. Man, it got thick in there. Thick. Deep and nutty and corny. The President of the United States will not be bound by expectations, by decorum, or facts or reality. He will not stand for that. My God, we got a lot of audio for you today because it was a doozy. It was one of those things where you're just sitting there going, it's kind of a clown show. Now, granted, the Republicans were heckling and whatnot, but. I'll demonstrate why it is that that's not really rare and it wasn't even really talked about, certainly not uh, remarked upon when Donald Trump was president. doesn't really justify it. But to this point, I care so little and have such little respect for this guy that I don't care. Watching MSNBC and ABC News and try to say, oh, this is unprecedented. Can you believe this? They're saying this. They were heckling him. The president was lying, as we'll demonstrate throughout the program today. They don't seem to care that the, they actually this seem, forget, drop the seam. They don't care that the president was lying. They honestly do not care that the president was lying. In the State of the Union address. Now, I don't think, look, presidents lying in the State of the Union address are um, it's it, just what happens. But to not acknowledge that or to brush it off as, hey, you know, sure they lied, but is different. The way that the media is framing these things is not to mention the Biden lie but to mention the Republican reaction to the lie. That way they can say, hey, we talked about the lie. It's just, you know, 
That's what Republicans do. They lie. Jamie Dupree, remember him? He used to be on, uh, what do you call it? He used to be on the Sean Hannity radio show like once a week or maybe once a day. It's on there all the time. Now he got fired from whatever uh, TV or radio station he was working at before, and now he, he writes on Substack, but he's still down there covering Congress. He writes, it may be the most raucous State of the Union ever. Republicans repeatedly jeered and heckled President Biden during his speech to the nation as he urged Congress to, quote, finish the job on his agenda. While Republicans did not like Biden's words on Social Security and Medicare, they were divided on yelling and screaming by GOP lawmakers. Hmm. They didn't like Biden's words. See, now I could read you Politico stories that are about the same verbiage. It was Republicans took issue with what Joe Biden said. Well, what Joe Biden said was a lie. Joe Biden lied. The story isn't that Joe Biden lied. The story is, as the media is reporting it, the Republican reaction to Joe Biden's lies. Why would that be? Well, it's because these people simply will not report the fact that Joe Biden lies. Joe Biden lies all the time. It's not Look, if you don't want to report on his lies about policy or his lies about his accomplishments, my God, there's literally no denying his lies about his own biography. I was a truck driver. No, you weren't. <laughs> I was a steel driving man. They used to call me John Henry. No, you weren't. He has a long and storied history about making things up. My daddy used to say this, that, and the other. I talked to the guy who invented insulin. Really? He died before you were born. How did you? Well, uh, actually, there's no well. uh, He wasn't actually ever asked about claiming to have spoken with the guy who invented insulin. They just let that slide. There were no reports on it. There were tweets about it. The Republicans said, that's a neat trick. What phone do you have? How Do you pay by the minute for that call, or is it unlimited? But his lies about Social Security, I'll just demonstrate this. I'm going to play you Joe Biden talking about Social Security. And the response, it's in real time. Well, it's what it's what happened. It is the, you can't really make out all that much of what is said. It's just a whole bunch of grumbling. And when you get 100 people or so going, hey, that's BS, you don't hear anything in particular. So I want to play that for you. And then I'll play you the way that ABC News covered it. Because Jonathan Carl over there said, eh, he's lying, but he did it with a smile. Like, it's okay. He's our guy. He's our guy. Yes, Performance-enhancing drugs are wrong. But Sammy Sosa is our right fielder, left fielder, whatever the hell he played. So you can't really blame him. He hit a lot of home runs. First, the lie. All of you at home should know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. 
That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. You know, it means if, if Congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are, they'd go away. Other Republicans... There's no plan introduced or even discussed to get rid of Social Security or Medicare. Democrats have lied about this for years and years and years because it's motivation. For the senior citizens who are inclined to believe Democrats, um, they will fall for this scare tactic. They will. It's it's horrifying. Oh, my God, you're going to take away my income? I'll die. It's always been a lie. There are different ways they've told this lie. Back in the 90s, Bill Clinton and Democrats ran a campaign of uh, featuring a clip of Newt Gingrich. I doubt you'll remember this. You have to have a, a brain uncluttered by other things like I have it or whatever it is. It's empty, but somehow can pull up this crap. They ran a campaign and Newt, Newt Gingrich in a speech was talking about offering people Americans, adults, the option of opting out of Social Security and being able to take their Social Security contributions, their taxes, not cut, not eliminating those taxes, keeping them the same, but allowing Americans to invest that money in the stock market. Now, imagine if, say, 1997, 1998, Whatever age you are now, you'd been able to invest even 30% or small percentage of your Social Security, your FICA taxes, in the stock market. How well would you be doing right now, right? <laughs> and it, honestly, even it, forget if you'd bought it all, put it all in Apple. If you put it all in Apple, you'd be filthy rich. You'd be living on a yacht trading girlfriends with Leonardo DiCaprio right now. But if you even just put it in a mutual fund, as long as it wasn't Bernie Madoff, you would be doing exponentially better than you're doing right now with whatever you've got, whatever your Social Security money is relative to what you put in compared to what you'll get out. You would be doing so much better. It wouldn't even be close. Democrats blocked you from being able to do that. So thank a Democrat for that when you're in your retirement and you're sitting there going, how do I, what do I do? What do I pay this one this month? And I guess I try to pay the minimum on these things and I'm sure it'll work out. And don't worry, they won't cut off the power. They won't cut off the this, that, or the other thing. Yeah, your ability, you'd really have to make some horrible investment choices to not have increased your net worth and retirement nest egg from the mid-90s till now. Yeah, under Biden, the stock market has kind of gone to hell, but it's gone to hell at like you know, losing 5%, 10%. Whereas if you look back at where the stock market was in the late 90s, what was the Dow? Under 10,000? It's more than tripled. The NASDAQ, probably under 1,000. I mean, it just forget it. You would be swimming in money right now. But Democrats protected you of that. Because they took a speech from Newt Gingrich where he was talking about allowing people the choice to get out of Social Security, not eliminating it, but allowing them to get out of it if they so choose. And his line was that Social Security would then wither on the vine. That was the clip that they used in the commercial. Now, what does that mean, wither on the vine? Democrats spun it as, see, he's saying he's going to kill Social Security. He's going to wither on the vine. He's going to kill it. He's going to kill it. They didn't give you the whole context. The media didn't give you the whole context because they were in the tank with 
Bill, or the hot tub, as it were, with Bill and the interns. The weather on the vine comment was, if you give people an option to get out, they'll choose it. There really won't be anybody left in Social Security. The few people that are, okay, they'll still get the same plan, the same program. It will be funded, but essentially there won't be anybody there. The program will wither on the vine because everybody actively and willingly chose it. They weren't booted out of it, but Democrats lied. And so Social Security is still going bankrupt. Social Security is still a disaster. You are going to get less money because Democrats prevented you from being an adult and making decisions for yourself. Just a little bit of a history lesson. So now you hear Biden trying this old tactic again. They want to destroy Social Security. No, they do not. The closest thing you can come to what he's talking about is Florida Senator Rick Scott alone on his own volition put together a plan that said that every government program should be up for renewal every five years. Every gov- regardless of what it is, every government program should have to be voted on every five years. It's really not that radical if you think about it, because there are so many government programs that were started, the WPA, started during the FDR administration. They're going, okay, well... We probably don't need a national blimp defense fund anymore. Actually, now with China sending over hot air balloons, maybe we do. But there are plenty of things that they never, government never solves a problem. But the problem has just disappeared because it's been lapped by technology, reality, whatever. That these programs, however, still exist and they continue to exist. So, it makes sense that government would look at every government program every five years and you stagger it so it's not all at once because that's all they would do. And they go, all right, do we need to reauthorize this? Does this need to still exist? Never forget the Spanish-American war tax, the tax imposed on telephones to fund the Spanish-American war at the turn of the last century lasted 108 years or whatever it was, is on the books. They put it on there to pay. We're going to pay for the Spanish-American War by uh, raising taxes on the rich. It's always the rich. By taxing their phones. Because at the time of the Spanish-American War, very few people had phones, and the people who had phones in their home were rich. So you could tax them. Spanish-American War ended, and they thought, screw it, we can still keep taxing the rich. Then phones became more ubiquitous and then became totally ubiquitous. And guess what happened? That money kept getting bigger. That money that was supposed to just be taxing the rich stayed there. And everybody who got a phone was paying this tax. And you get a nation of 80 million, 100 million people, whatever it was at the time in the 30s when the phones started spreading around, suddenly you're getting real money into the government. And the government isn't going to go, you know what? We should get rid of this tax. It was only for the Spanish-American War it's wrong that we do this. No, they knew what they were doing. They wanted it. They wanted that money. It took until the 2000 aughts to get rid of the Spanish-American war tax on phones because everything in government lasts forever. It would make sense that you'd look at everything in government every couple of years and go, do we still need this? Is this still necessary? 
But the Democrats have bastardized that to the point that they're saying they want to get rid of Social Security and Medicare. After five years, you just heard the president reiterate a form of that lie. And it is a lie. So then Jonathan Carl of ABC News, he's either, I think he's, uh, I don't think he covers the White House. I think he's the chief political correspondent or something like that. He's a hack, whatever the hell he is. Jonathan Carl of ABC News says, yeah, Biden lied about Social Security, but he did it with a smile. Man, Republicans were upset because Biden lied. The story isn't about the lie. Jonathan Carl's comment isn't about the lie. None of the stories were about the lie. It was about the Republican reaction to the lie. And here's Jonathan Carl saying, yeah, he lied, but Republicans, eh, shut up. He did it with a smile. And from Biden himself, we've seen a hard-edged Biden at times talking about MAGA Republicans and dangerous extremists. That language was gone from this speech. He did poke the Republicans. He made some, you know, some, I mean, the stuff he said about Social Security was over the top. There's nobody seriously talking about sunsetting Social Security in the Republican Party. But he did it with a smile. It was a jovial Joe Biden, and he provoked that behavior uh, from the Republicans, clearly making Kevin McCarthy uncomfortable. <laughs> there you lied, but I mean, come on, white focus on that. He poked the Republicans. He, he gone was his harsh rhetoric that Republicans are evil. But still, there were all the lies about Republicans. This is a journalist. The story is about the Republican response to the lie, not the lie itself. Do you see how that works? Now he can say, look, we addressed it. Somebody says, hey, John Carl, you didn't talk about the president lying. I certain, most certainly did. I did. I said it right there. When all he did is all they all did. The Wolf Blitzers, the Jake Tappers, the Rachel Maddows, the Nicole Wallace. All they did was say, well, yeah, Joe Biden said something. But those Republicans, look at the response from those Republicans. The lie's the problem in real life. These people don't live in real life. So the president lies, that's the story. Now it's not when Donald Trump told the lie and Donald Trump told lies, then nah, I don't that was it. The fact checkers were dispatched. The Daniel Dales of CNN were sent off the uh what's his name? Kessler, Glenn Kessler at the Washington Post, they would fact check in real time, real time, and uh, everything. It didn't matter. He said that there were 12 people in the room. There were only 11. The other person was just outside the room. That's a lie. It's a damn dirty lie. But what do you expect? Before we, Since we're on ABC News, before we get to more clips... I want to play you the uh, the hype video, the trailer, essentially, that ABC News put together for the State of the Union address. And you, you tell me they are not living in the colon of Joe Biden. You can ask him, hey, what's what's the, what did Joe Biden have for dinner? That's how far this is. You would think this were produced by the Democratic National Committee. At the end of it, you expect to say, I'm Joe Biden and I approve this message. But instead, you hear the hairdo David Muir talk about you know, the hype that they put up there for uh, the State of the Union address. Listen to this. 
This is an ABC News special, The State of the Union. When I came to office, the pandemic was raging, our economy was reeling, but we acted together. Now, two years in, it's clearer than ever that our plans work. As tensions with China escalate over the spy balloon shot down and the war in Europe enters its second year. This is about freedom. Freedom for Ukraine. Freedom everywhere. With historic job growth and economic recovery. The strongest job growth in history, the lowest unemployment rate in 54 years, manufacturing rebounding at a faster rate, inflation coming down. Put simply, I would argue the Biden economic plan is working. But a looming showdown over the debt ceiling ahead. I will not let anyone use the full faith and credit of the United States as a bargaining chip. With a country reeling from mass shootings and police brutality, President Biden stands before a divided Congress and a polarized nation to deliver his vision of the next year. We're the United States of America. And nothing, 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 nothing is beyond our capacity. Now reporting from Washington, David Muir. Good evening tonight from the nation's capital. In just a few moments here, President Biden will deliver his second State of the Union address to the nation. Yeah, my God. The, the, the greatest president ever. He does it. All this is going on, and Joe Biden is on top of it. You thought ABC News would want to kiss Joe the way that uh, his wife kissed the husband of Kamala. You think, you think there's some weird. You see that picture, that video? On the lips? Really? Cheek, knock yourself out. A hug, fine, that'd probably be better, but a kiss right on the lips. That's a level of familiarity between Doug Emhoff and Joe... Like, neither one of them are particularly smart. Jill is particularly stupid, but... To do that, man, what is going on in this White House? Is it just a nonstop key party? No wonder they don't care about inflation. They don't even have to worry about the cost of birth control. Everybody involved is past the age where it matters. If there's one problem with the Biden administration, it's that, and I guess there was, was I think there was a Simpsons episode where they were talking about Mr. Burns' health, Mr. Burns, the rich nuclear plant owner, and Mr. Burns' health, and the doctor said, like, you have everything, everything all at once, and it's... It's so much stuff that you have that it overwhelms, and they, they cancel each other out. They negate each other. You're going, huh? What? That's, look, it's The Simpsons. And I think of it this way. Think of it as like uh, 150 people trying to get through one door jam to get to the other side to get a cookie or a piece of pie or something. You know, they're gonna, they get smashed in there. With the Biden administration, there is so much garbage. So much going on. They, they fling so much at the wall that it's almost impossible to focus on anything. The Social Security lie would be a big enough lie to really carry a couple of news cycles if we had honest journalists. But we don't. We have ABC News going, oh my goodness, it's the greatest president ever, facing the toughest time ever. At a time like this, thank God we have Joe Biden. Meanwhile, he lies about everything. The real problem I have right now is looking at these list of cuts going, which lie do I go to next? Where do we go to next? Uh, let's go to a really bizarre one. A really bizarre one about fast food workers, burger workers. 
I don't even know where this came from. I can't even remember the context of it because it's so bizarre that when it came up, you're just like, what the hell is he talking about? Now, it's been a while since I've worked in fast food. But I have worked in fast food. I didn't work in a traditional place. I didn't work in a Burger King or McDonald's or anything like that. I worked at a place called Tubby's Sub Shop. Tubby's Sub Shop on Grand River. Got fired from it because uh, me and my friend Kyle tried to steal a uh, chicken pizza sub. (laughs) We tried to scam it, actually. He called in an order right when I was getting off. I made it. And then my friend Kevin that I went known since elementary school... So it, nobody comes and picks up the sub that they called in order and you just kind of you made it. You can take it. It's up for grabs. And I was like, me and Kyle, we're going to split this sub. Somebody Kevin knows comes in and he goes, yeah, here, take this. Nobody came and picked it up. It just gives the sub that I had my sights on about five minutes before I was leaving work, gives it to a friend of his. I told Kyle, called Kyle, like, we're going to have to, we're out of luck. We're not getting the sub. Kyle stupidly calls back in and orders the exact same thing. After I'd left, somehow they put two and two together, and I was invited to leave. But it's fast food. I I worked the grill. I cooked that sub that that kid ate. But I I was not required to sign a non-compete contract with them, with Tubby. Say, nope, you can't go to the KFC up the street. The Long John Silver's over there. Nope, don't even think about Arthur Treacher's. And you can dream all you want, but you'll never achieve the glory that is Taco Bell if you have if we have our way. That's not the way the world worked. I'm making minimum wage, working a grill, getting all the acne that comes with working that grill, and you go, hell with this. If anybody paid me fifteen cents more an hour, I'd quit and get the hell out of here. There's just not a lot of uh scrambling for fast food workers at least there wasn't then now there there is now they're like we'll give you 15 dollars an hour to stand we'll pay you cash the next day we'll do anything you can because kids have gotten so soft and parents have gotten so bad that they don't make kids work anymore but joe biden lives in a fantasy world where somehow the pickings for jobs are slim so slim in fact that Burger King, McDonald's, and Wendy's, and all of them can dictate terms of employment. Not only are we not going to pay you very much in Joe Biden's world, even though the average fast food worker is making 15 bucks or more, um, not only will we not pay you very much, but we're going to make sure that you do not leave us for a similar job that pays more. You have to wait, what, five years? I don't know what kind of non-compete clause you'd have. Five years after this contract, then you may work again as a burger flipper. We've got you for life, pal, for life. It's nuts. This is just one of those things where you're sitting there going, what What color is the sky on this guy's planet? So a cashier at a burger place can't walk across town and take the same job at another burger place and make a few bucks more. It just changed. Well, they just changed it because we exposed it. That was part of the deal, guys. Look it up. But not anymore. <laughs> part of the deal, guys. Look at Part of what deal? Where was this deal? That would I am pretty sure people would have heard of that. Actually, PolitiFact did look into that and said, no, he is mistaken. Not that he was lying, not that he's full of crap, but he was mistaken. 
But that's it. Like, where does this mentality come from? Look, we got one of the best fry guys in the industry. We got to lock him down. We're going to give him a 10-year contract with a non-compete clause. All right? You're going to work for $7.25 an hour for the next 10 years. And you, you can't do that. And you can't even go to an office. You can't get a different type of job. You're too damn good at working the fryer. Nobody, nobody turns a fry like you. And your hash brown work is the stuff of legend. I don't know where you get that from. What kind of an insulated life must you have led to believe something like that could exist? Well, actually, that I can't answer. You have to have lived an insulated life that you never really worked in the private sector. So insulated that you never worked in the private sector. It never did. You never never had like, fast food work, these sort of crap jobs I'm just going to say it that everybody sort of refers to them in it as they but they everybody's most people not everybody but most people have had them and they're good they're character building that's where you learn the concept of hard work that's where you learn they hey you show up on time and you don't get to leave until your shift is over it's not like i don't want to be here anymore well I, I, you can quit but you're not going to be able to get any gas. You're not going to be able to go out with your friends. You're not going to be able to do anything. You learn the concept that will serve you well for the rest of your life if you actually learn them. Joe Biden never learned them. I promise you Joe Biden's kids never learned them either. And Joe Biden's crack-smoking kid, his, other, his daughter that he showered with for far too long. No, I guarantee you they didn't work fast food. If they did, they did it with an attitude of, my dad is a senator, I don't need this job, kind of thing. Anyway, we'll get, we'll get to his kids in a bit, because um, he lives in a world where Whitey just has it so easy. Whitey, I don't know, I guess, if again, his being a United States senator was showing. But before we get to that, I want to play you something where... I think I figured out what Joe Biden is saying. But he, he yelled at a few points in the speech, randomly. It's like somebody leans against a stereo at a party and suddenly it gets really loud or really quiet. Like, oh, geez, I, I, I leaned against the volume button. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. That's how Joe Biden delivers most speeches. It's very bizarre, very bizarre. And he screams out, make no mistake. If you try to raise the cost of, and then you get a Bidenism. We could play a game. What the hell is Joe Biden talking? He promises he'll veto this. Now, I don't know. Congress, it's kind of like there's a great scene in The Wire where the new mayor, Tommy Carcetti, is trying to get things done, and things just aren't getting done. And so he goes around and all the department, he goes to all the different departments and says, there's a, there's a playground with a broken swing. I'm getting calls. I want it fixed. I want it fixed by the end of the week. You better fix it. And they're like, well, where is it? Like, you just, you find it, you fix it. And so they go, you see the parks and rec department going around to every playground, fixing things in every playground. They go to the, another department. There's a, this problem and we need it taken care of. I'm like, well, where is it? Just do it. And suddenly everybody gets a fire under their butt and they're doing it because they're afraid of losing their jobs. It's kind of like that where Joe Biden says, look, if you guys, did you dare do this thing, I will veto it. 
And you go, well, what what thing? Don't test me. And so maybe some Democrats anyway would be afraid to go like, what? I don't know what I don't know what we if we do. What do we we can't do? Like, I don't want to make the president upset. I don't want to do something that will get him to veto it. And so they're paralyzed with fear and they'll do whatever he says for fear of doing something he he won't like. It might be something like that, but that's far too clever. It's mostly just Joe Biden's meds sort of overwhelming his speech abilities, and he makes up a word in the middle of this. So think closely. If you try to raise the cost of and then fix some jobs, I will veto it. You think I'm exaggerating? I'm not. Make no mistake. If you try anything to raise the cost of some jobs, I will veto it. Now it sounds like that at the end of the frizzage and jobs. Jobs, 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 jobs. If you try to raise the cost of jobs. No, I believe, I believe I have discovered what he said. The first, I don't know, five, six times I heard this, I had no idea. I did not know what he was talking about. But I believe he's saying prescription drugs. Now, I'm not sure what he thinks Congress is going. What we're going to do is we're going to raise the cost of prescription drugs. Realistically, and honestly, if they were going by the Constitution, but nobody does anymore, the government would have no say or sway over the cost of prescription drugs. But they want price controls because they failed everywhere in the world. And Biden went on about, oh, we pay more for prescription drugs than anybody else in the world. We do. We do, because the rest of the world does not pay market value. So we don't pay market value. If a pill is uh, really would go for 100 bucks, just using raw numbers here, making up round numbers, 100 bucks in Canada says, we'll only pay you 50. And the pharmaceutical company goes, well, that's crap, but it's $100. It's 100 No, we'll pay you 50 or we'll steal your IP, your intellectual property. We'll steal the the recipe for your drug and we'll give it to a Canadian company and we will manufacture this. We'll make it perfectly legal within the border of Canada for all Canadians. Uh, We'll make the drug ourselves. So you can either have 50 bucks per dose or nothing. Which do you want? Well, if it really costs 100 or needs to be 100 for them to make a profit, guess what happens? If the, it, now, this is just if the drug is only sold in Canada and the U.S. in this hypothetical. Well, then the price in the U.S. just went to 150 Why? Because we've got to make up that 50 bucks somewhere, right? The real problem isn't what pharmaceutical companies are charging in this country for their life-saving and life-improving uh, drugs. It's that the rest of the world is socialistic and living off of our innovation. The drug companies are based in the United States because they have the freedom here to do research and development and set market prices. We also have prescription drugs, new prescription drugs on the market on average about a year and a half sooner than the rest of the world. Imagine being in the UK in their socialized medicine health system and being told, well, there's nothing we can do. There's no treatment right now. Good luck to you. And you look over at the United States and you say, well, they've got a uh, they've got a drug. Can we get that drug? Well, it's not allowed here in the UK because the government is still negotiating and arguing over the price. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. They can't just steal the IP. 
it's not that simple. It's not that fast. They've got to break down the, the pill. They've got to really figure it out, the manufacturing. It, it can't be done that quickly. So they do negotiate, and they do usually come to a price that the pharmaceutical company will accept because it's not that big of a loss or it's you know a little bit of a profit, and then they make up the difference in the United States. They screw us. The rest of the world screws us. But the rest of the world's citizens are screwed because you have to wait a year and a half, two years to get the latest treatment. Meanwhile, by the way, in these great socialist utopias, the rich, the rich in these great socialist utopias, they hop on a plane and come to the United States when they get sick. Government officials, they hop on a plane to come to the United States when they get sick, not only for the access to newer prescription drugs, but for faster access to procedures, much faster access to procedures. You can wait months to find out whether or not you have cancer for cancer screening. You can get an appointment probably by the weekend in the United States. Democrats want to make us more like them. Meanwhile, their rich are coming here. So anyway, I think that Joe Biden, in this clip, I'll play it again, is saying, make no mistake, if you try anything to raise the cost of prescription drugs, although he doesn't articulate that in any way, shape, or form, that a human being with functioning ears would be able to discern, decide for yourself. Make no mistake, if you try anything to raise the cost of presenting jobs, I will veto it. <laughs> Maybe. Or it's for Zinjin jobs. Maybe there are jobs. There could be jobs out there. Who the hell knows? So that was just one example of a, what in the hell is Joe Biden talking about? Man, There are quite a few of them throughout the speech let's see on abortion this was kind of odd too you talk about a straw man so much of uh, the superhero movies are what's called fan service where you gotta kind of throw red meat to the fans you gotta tip a hat to it like in the original superman movie when clark kent when christopher reeves is is uh walking down the street and somebody something's going on and they need superman i don't i don't remember what it was but he's ready to go and change into his superman costume and he walks past a phone booth and he stops for a second and looks at the phone booth and then he moves on from the phone booth and you go i don't get it well in the comic books and in the cartoons and everything back in the day for a long time throughout superman lore clark kent would duck into a phone booth and change and come out as Superman. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. Phone booths are glass. It's not like they're private. And you know, notice a dude in a suit go in and then Superman fly out. You might, I don't know, connect the dots. But that was what that was for. That was fan service. It did nothing to advance the plot. It just was five seconds of screen time. But it was a wink and a nod to the people who'd been reading Superman comic books since the 50s. And yeah, all right, there you go. There's your bow. We're throwing it to you. Well, when it comes to politics for democrats abortion is that fan service it is something that uh, really desperately needs to be paid attention to and nobody loves a straw man and nobody can build one up and set one on fire quite like joseph robinette biden can so he promises to v i don't know 
Uh, I'll, I'll comment after you hear him promise. He swears he'll veto anything about abortion. The vice president and I are doing everything to protect access to reproductive health care and safeguard patient safety. But already more than a dozen states are enforcing extreme abortion bans. Make no mistake about it. If Congress passes a national ban, I will veto it. But let's also pass. Let's also. All right. Then. Um, if Congress passes a national abortion ban, and you hear the barking seals around the Democrats, like, oh, you're the hero. Yes, yes. I mean, realistically, by next year's State of the Union address, Joe Biden will be performing transition surgery on a 13-year-old girl up there on the lectern. But that's just, that's where they go from here. But on abortion, oh, the Senate is controlled by Democrats, right? If a national abortion ban were to pass Congress, it would not only require every single Republican to vote in favor of it in the House of Representatives, which is highly unlikely, So you need some Democrats there. It would require in the United States Senate 11 Democrats. Wait, is it 11? Yeah, 11 Democrats to support it, to break a filibuster. The sun is more likely to rise in the West than that piece, any piece of legislation doing anything remotely close to what Joe Biden is insisting. If it gets on his desk, I'll veto it. It's not going to happen, ladies, as much as you might want it to happen. It is not going to happen. Frankly, it shouldn't happen because conservatives argued for decades, overturned Roe v. Wade. It's a horribly decided law. And all it would do is send it. It's not a federal issue. It would go back to the states. Murder isn't a federal issue. So, you know, what do you think of abortion? If you think abortion is murder, it's not a federal issue. Lindsey Graham, thanks a lot. Your stupid piece of legislation that I believe brought the issue back to the forefront during the midterm elections and ended up inspiring a bunch of Democrats to turn out uh, is still alive and well. It's still being used to beat beat Republicans because it's a straw man that this piece of legislation would ever stand a chance of passing Congress and getting to his desk, but... You can't say now that the concept is absurd and you're just making things up because Lindsey Graham actually introduced a piece of legislation to do just that. So thanks a lot, Lindsey Graham. Still, you heard the Democrats, they know full well it's not going anywhere. But they want to pretend that it will. Democrats, by the way, will introduce pieces of legislation to codify Roe into law, or they'll introduce it nonstop. In the House, it won't get any votes. In the Senate, they might force a vote because it's all about politics. Democrats controlled everything at various points throughout the life of Roe. They could have easily codified it into law if they wanted to. They never did. They never even really tried because they wanted the issue. I don't know. At some point, don't the public get sick of being played for fools? At some point? Apparently not, but you would think they would, but apparently they never will. Now I want to shift to out-of-touch Joe Biden and the exploitation. Tyree Nichols' parents 
were at the State of the Union. They bring in people to highlight, to use as pride. I, I, this thing has long since jumped the shark, in my opinion. Ronald Reagan started it in 1982 after the plane crash out of uh, National Airport. At that time, now it's Reagan National Airport. And the Potomac, and uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I saw the clip of it yesterday. But guy jumped in the uh, Potomac and helped rescue somebody. And they, Reagan brought him to the State of the Union address and highlighted him, gave him a shout-out. He got a standing ovation. There he was in the gallery. And ever since then, presidents have brought people, whatever it is, news of the day. Bono was there last night at the State of the Union. I don't know why. I watched the speech, but at point I like had to get the girls different things, and I was in and out of the room a couple of times. So maybe he gave Bono a shout out. I don't know, but Bono was there, and there were a bunch of other people there. Paul Pelosi, we'll get to him, and he was there, and the guy who stopped, disarmed the uh, the killer out in California. He was a hero. He was there, uh, but Tyree Nichols' parents were there. And Joe Biden, it's funny, the the recount, this left-wing, horrible propaganda wing of Showtime, they put out a clip of Joe Biden talking about Tyree Nichols, and they, they cropped it at a weird point. I'm like, why would you crop it at that point? Because what he says honestly doesn't matter. But in the part that they played, it was Tyree Nichols, Tyree's parents, blah, blah, Tyree this. And then because it's Joe Biden, and because he really doesn't know and he really doesn't care, he's just a politician pretending to give a damn on television. He then refers to Tyree as Tyler. He doesn't correct himself. Now, he had said Tyree three times at least in the previous minute and a half. But he doesn't recognize, Joe had those doll's eyes again, those, those, the way that uh, Clint described shark eyes in Jaws, you know, the blackness, just can't see any way. That was what Joe Biden's eyes were like. I don't know what drugs they give him, but I'm suspecting they give him something to help him focus. And it also helps him not really, it helps him focus to read, but not necessarily be aware of what the hell he's saying. That's how you can say, uh, you raise the cross up for some jobs and not notice it, that you're talking gibberish there. You just power forward. I think he was b- drilled into his head. You just power forward, Joe, power forward. So let's listen to Joe call Tyree Nichols Tyler and not catch it. Let's commit ourselves to make the words of Tyler's mom true. Something good must come from this. Something good. Ah, Tyler, Tyler, what? What's going on? By the way, in the uh, transcript at the White House, they've they corrected the mistake there, the record. Why? Because it's embarrassing. It really exposes that Joe is not only not aware of what he's talking about, but he's not aware of what's coming out of his mouth. He doesn't seem to be aware of the words that are coming out of his mouth. But that brings us to what he said next. Whitey, you got it so easy. Whitey, you got nothing to worry about. Even though more white people are killed by police every year by a lot, 
and more unarmed white people are killed by police every year by a lot. It doesn't matter. The narrative is that the police, A-C-A-B, that's what you see, BLM Antifa, spray paint all over the place, and I imagine there's a lot of tattoos and a lot of losers' bodies saying the same thing. What does it stand for? It says all cops are bastards. All. All cops. That's what it means. All cops. There's no... You know, if you uh, say, oh, well, you've had a bad experience with police officers, you'd feel the same way. No, I wouldn't. There's one time in my life when I had a gun pointed at me. It was not by a white guy. Would I then be justified in saying, hey, you got, can't trust these people because of this? No, I wouldn't. I'd be called out for it. And I don't do that. It was that one guy in that car for no reason whatsoever in the parking lot in a gas station in Detroit. And as he drove off, he just did it. He just did it. But for some reason, one bad cop does something and you can blame all cops. But the other way around, nope, you can't do it. Anyway, Joe Biden lives in this fantasy world where White people, I mean, his whole life has been a fantasy world when you don't have any brain cells. You come from a rich family where your father got swindled out of the family money because he's an idiot. And you go into politics and do everything you can to get that money back through corrupt means and get away with it and still paint yourself as a hero and still have a whole bunch of people who know the truth but hide it because of a political agenda. You get a pretty perverted worldview. Joe Biden said during the State of the Union address that he never had to have the talk with his kids. White people don't have to have the talk with their. It's a black thing that you've only got to worry and you got to tell kids how to behave during a traffic stop. Most of us in here have never had to have the talk, the talk that brown and black parents have had to have with their children. Bo, Hunter, Ashley, my children, I never had to have the talk with them. I never had to tell them if a police officer pulls you over, turn your interior lights on right away. Don't reach for your license. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Imagine having to worry like that every single time your kid got in a car. Imagine having, imagine. My father had that talk with me. There were a couple of things that I had to do before I was allowed to take the car when I got my when I went from my permit to my driver's license. When I had a permit, the only people I was ever allowed to drive with were my parents. That was it. That wasn't in Michigan. It wasn't you could drive with any licensed driver. It was uh, in a a, uh, a a family adult family member, I think. Anyway, that was the way. It, those were the parents' rules, whether it was the law or not. I don't know. And before, when I got my license, uh, before I was allowed to take the car out, while I still had my permit, my dad took me out to the garage and he made me change the tire in my mom's car. It wasn't flat, but I had to take it off. I had to jack it up, take it off, pull out the spare, find everything, put it on there, do it, and then change it back. He wanted to make sure I knew how to do that. So when I got a flat, we didn't have AAA. AAA was something rich people had. Didn't have AAA. You get a flat tire, you got to change it. It's that simple. You don't want to be the weak person calling somebody in a panic going, I need somebody to come change a tire. He also told me how to conduct myself during a traffic stop. It's yes, sir, no, sir. Turn on the dome light if it's at night. Keep my hands on the steering wheel. 
He didn't tell me to not reach for my license. He told me to have my license, registration, and proof of insurance ready. Keep the proof of insurance and the registration either on top in the glove box or on the uh, the visor. So that before the cop even gets out of his car, you've got it. But keep your hands on the steering wheel where you can see him. Look him in the eye. Talk clearly. Answer what he's asking you. And that's it. So he said if you get out of line, something bad could happen. And my dad spoke from a bit of experience. My dad was a hellraiser when he was younger. My dad was a troublemaker in the 50s. My dad got into fights with police officers and then got his ass beat by police. He told me one time about how he'd, he and a friend at a traffic stop had wrestled with a cop that they sort of knew and they took his gun off of him. It's amazing my dad lived. And again, every teenage boy's an idiot. And he threw his gun over a fence into a junkyard. And the next day, they found him and his friend again driving around. And they arrested him. Not for that. Not for that. They took them into custody, I should say. And took them to the police station. It's now a boys and girls, at least it was a boys and girls club. Took them upstairs. And they beat the hell out of him. That was it. There was no charges filed. They beat the hell out of him. A bunch of, like, five cops beat the hell out of him. And then let him go. That was how it worked. You don't cross police. A lot of what parenting is is making sure that your kids learn from your mistakes. Thank God my dad wasn't, you know, to the point where he kept his stuff secret. Because I certainly had that attitude, but I didn't, didn't do it. So every time I got pulled over, and I got pulled over a lot because I drove junky cars. And I drove junky cars in good neighborhoods. Even in my neighborhood, my car was pretty junky. But I would date girls who lived in good neighborhoods. And you get pulled over. What are you doing here? They're on the other side. I grew up on the west side of Detroit. On the east side of Detroit, there's Gross Point. If you ever seen Gross Point Blank, it wasn't actually filmed in Gross Point. But you get the idea. I think the driving down Lakeshore Drive at the end of it is gross point it's mansion after mansion after mansion it's old money it's old auto money it's people who build you know five thousand square foot houses well lakefront gorgeous beautiful things that you couldn't afford to build today so i'm driving around in a 1982 pontiac j2000 that's rusted it's ugly as all get out the paints peel it's just a piece of garbage you it it we might as well have called it the casing car you're casing the joint so I get pulled over a lot over there. And I would give a little bit of attitude. What are you doing over here? Well, I'm just like date a girl over here. What business is it? I'm allowed to go anywhere I want. But I suppressed most of that. I'm like, don't say that. Just do it. Don't get the ticket. I couldn't afford the ticket. So you try and get it. I didn't do anything wrong. I was literally pulled over because I was driving a piece of junk at a place where you don't see pieces of junk. And it went back to what my father told me during the talk. Everybody I know's parents had the talk. You're supposed to teach your children how to conduct themselves. You can't, you, you do it in real time when you're in a situation with your kids. You take your kids to a restaurant and they're throwing the bread around. You, hey, knock it off. You don't do that ever. And don't just cut it out. But you're, you're not going to be driving with your kid every time. Very rarely, as a matter of fact. So you tell them how to conduct themselves during a traffic stop. 
Because the time that a police officer is most nervous is a time when a police officer is most vulnerable. And that is during a traffic stop. They have no idea what you're doing in your car, what you have in your car, if you have weapons in your car, if you're going to take off, if you're going to fight them, whatever. So everybody has that, except, you know who doesn't? A United States senator. A guy whose kids will never have to worry about being pulled over by police. Oh, it probably happened. But in a small state like Delaware, where your daddy is a United States senator, your name is Biden. Biden isn't a very common name. You get pulled over, and I bet you if the cop didn't know immediately from the name of the kid or running the license plate before the traffic stop even happened, and I bet you it stopped a lot of traffic stops from happening. The second he ran the plate, Biden, Biden, I wonder if that's Joe Biden. And I'd be willing to go so far as to say that Joe had the family cars, even the kids' cars, in his name so it would come up when police ran it so that they would go oh joe biden that oh that's senator biden's thing and i promise you as corrupt and as awful as a parent as joe and joe biden were those kids knew that that last name was the get out of jail free card it was the master lock key to everything the phrase don't you know who my father is there's no way on God's green earth that wasn't uttered by Hunter at least 50 times at parties, uh, throughout his uh, childhood, throughout high school, throughout college, throughout his working life. It opened doors for him in professional life, but I promise you it kept jail cells opened, unlocked, and vacant during his youth. Because you don't, in your 40s, just decide to become a degenerate. You know what? I've lived a pretty clean life for the first 40 years. Now I'm going to start going with a prostitute a day and smoking a lot of crack and filming myself while doing all of it. I don't think that occurs to people in their 40s. If you read the stories about Ashley Biden's diary, she writes pretty explicitly about being forced to take showers with her father Long after the age where something like that would could be considered remotely appropriate. Tell me that because oh, I never had to have the talk with kids. I guarantee you most white people, if not at least the good parents, had that talk with their kids. Here's how you conduct yourself in certain situations. It's not all, hey, here's how you walk to the here, pinky out at high tea at the country club. That's not the way the world works for most people. Might be how the world works for somebody who's been selling their position to the highest bidder for the last 50 years, but not normal people. But of course, Joe makes it about race because that sells in Democrat circles. It sells big time in Democrat circles. Because then it's not, you know, why'd you argue with police? It's not to justify what happened to Tyree Nichols. Those cops have been charged with second-degree murder. That's serious. But how different would that whole situation have been had there not been a fight? How different would that whole situation have been if 
he had not gone down that road. I don't know. We don't know what caused him to go down that road. So I'm just saying. But it's worth looking into with George Floyd. How different would things have been had George Floyd not resisted arrest? Very different. Probably. Not in Democrats' worlds. Because why? Because that doesn't help them. So they'll perpetuate a racist myth about this country, doing damage to people they profess to give a damn about, and stoking racial resentment. The guy out in California, I think, last week, white guy, out riding his bike. For whatever reason, he got hit by a car, and then the guy who drove the car, who happened to be black, got out and stabbed him to death. He didn't know the guy, never seen the guy, but according to at least one witness, the guy who was stabbing him was talking about, was yelling about white privilege. Is that blood on Joe Biden's hands? Is that blood on the hands of Democrats? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, just like anybody who's killed by an illegal alien. People who die of fentanyl. There's at least some of that blood on Democrats' hands. None of this is by accident. It's all by design. They know what they're doing. They just don't care. A couple other things on the State of the Union that I want to um, talk about. Let's talk about inflation. Biden lied about inflation, too. I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that, but I'd want you to hear the lie about inflation. It's a lot like somebody walking up to your above ground pool, punching a hole in it, watching the water run out, punching a second hole in it, watching more water run out, punching a third hole in the side, watching all the water run out, and you're sitting there going, what the hell? And then they, they stick their finger in one of the holes. And I say, look, I have cut the leaks in your pool by one third. I have decreased, I have, and you're going, what the hell are you talking, you, you're they're the one who punched, punched the holes in it. But they demand credit, they demand your praise for punching, for plugging one of the holes that they punched into it. Joe Biden is claiming credit for cutting the inflation he created. And putting putting aside the, the explanation of how inflation is calculated, which I'll get to in a second, but the he created the inflation. You don't get credit for cutting it, or it's not even being cut, but you don't get credit for anything related to you created it. Well, last month I beat my wife 15 times. This month I only beat my wife seven times. I have more than a 50% decrease. And the amount of spousal abuse going on in my home this week, this month. So congratulations to me, huh, honey, you should be grateful. We've seen a more than 50% reduction in the amount of spousal abuse. Oh, I'm so grateful. Yeah, you better be or else we won't have as good a month next month. Listen to the president talk about inflation. Disrupted our supply chains and Putin's unfair and brutal war in Ukraine disrupted energy supplies as well as food supplies, blocking all that grain in Ukraine. But we're a better position than any country on Earth right now. But we have more to do. But here at home, inflation is coming down. Here at home, gas prices are down $1.50 from their peak. 
Food inflation is coming down, not fast enough, but coming down. Inflation has fallen every month for the last six months. Well, take-home pay has gone up. Pay has actually not increased. Pay has actually decreased. But that's beside the point. Joe Biden is going to lie. The idea that inflation, it's food inflation. Have you seen food prices coming down? No, you haven't. You've seen food prices still go up. Now, how can that be? The president of the United States just said inflation is down. If you look at the numbers, a few months ago, inflation was at 9.1%, whereas now it's like 6.5%. That's clearly a decrease in inflation. No, it is not. That is an increase in inflation. Inflation is not measured month to month, but year to year. Year to year. So if in September... I'm just going to use round numbers to make it easy. If in September inflation was 10%, then something that cost $100 the previous September cost $110. Now, food inflation is way higher than the way the government calculates inflation is to hide the truth. Food inflation is somewhere in the neighborhood of 50% to 60%, but they they lie. So it's it's just how the government is. You're going to have to get used to that. But let's just say that inflation was 10%, $100, now $110. Now, inflation is 5%. It's not that something that was $100 last February is now $105. It's that you take the 110 and you add another 5%. Because the 10% that was there six months ago is still there. And then you add more and more and more. Prices aren't coming down. Prices are going up. They're going up at a slightly slower rate. But they have not gone away. And when it comes to food, food has gone up. Look, the stories about eggs aren't going, you know, but last month eggs were five bucks more per carton. Why do you think that is? Because inflation is not going down. It can't increase forever. There was inflation a year ago. So the inflation when Joe Biden took office was 1.4%, and inflation last year was 3% last February, and then it went up to 9.1% in the middle of the summer, and now it's 6.5%. It's not compared to the 9.1%. It's compared to the 3%. Everything adds on top of it, on top of it, another brick, another brick. Think of it as adding Legos. We need government to really get out of the way. We need a little bit of deflation in the economy, not in wages, which is what we're getting because wages aren't keeping up with the rate of inflation. But we really need the government to get out of the way, the government, if they're going to do anything, to allow the uh, supply chain to get back into gear to increase the supply. The only way eggs are going to cost less is if you can produce more eggs. Will it go back down to what it was? No, because it's still going to cost $2 more per gallon to drive it to the market, to drive it to wherever it goes, to run the equipment you need, the lights, the energy costs, 
all of that, until things come down everywhere, they aren't going to come down anywhere. It's not like food is separate. It's just not how it works. Supply and demand still matter. But this guy doesn't seem to, well, it's tough to say because, like I say, Joe Biden is a liar. Joe Biden is senile, but Joe Biden has always been stupid, too. He's always been stupid. So is this stupidity or is this lying? It's hard to say. Next, we come to Joe Biden. Let's see. He was heckled about fentanyl. This is another thing that's getting, along with Marjorie Taylor Greene yelling out, liar, when Joe Biden was talking about Republicans wanting to end Social Security, which he was lying. The left in the media is upset that Joe Biden is being heckled about fentanyl being heckled about fentanyl. It's weird watching these Democrats go, they we're seizing record numbers of fentanyl on the southern border. Well, we know that the southern border is wide open. People get caught smuggling drugs all the time. That There are more people being caught smuggling drugs. Normally, in a vacuum, you'd say that's great. We're keeping more drugs off the street, except for the fact that overdose deaths have increased dramatically on that very same drug. So that means that the drug is still making it. Massive quantities of the drug is still making because it's not just seizing at the southern border. What do you hear every time you watch the local news? A massive amount of fentanyl was uh, taken off the streets today in Baltimore, in in Chicago, in New York, whatever. It's painted like looking like fruity pebbles. Well, that stuff made it across the southern border. The Biden administration wants to take credit for that, too. We're seizing record amounts of fentanyl. It's getting here. That's the problem. And if you are seizing record amounts and there are still record numbers of overdoses, what does that tell you about the amount that you aren't catching? What does it tell you about the amount you are not catching? That there's a lot of it. We have an open border when your priority is to get people in as quickly as possible to make sure that the Border Patrol is not patrolling the border, but they are, in fact, doing processing for court cases that may or may not take place in three years where the odds of the illegal alien showing up to find out and have their case adjudicated are about 2%. You got a lot of free space to mule a lot of fentanyl across the southern border. So that's the context in which you listen to this next clip. Fentanyl is killing more than 70,000 Americans a year. You got it. Oh, it's your fault. It's your fault. Seal the border. Yeah. Seal the border. Fentanyl, by the way, fentanyl is killing 100,000 people a year. Joe's numbers are only off by 45%, something like that. Not even close. 100,000 Americans a year. But Joe Biden doesn't give a damn. None of these Democrats give it. It's amazing to me how these people can watch this. Everybody knows somebody, likely, 
who died, friend of a friend, hopefully you're not related to them, somebody who died, you know of somebody, maybe they weren't your friend, but it was some acquaintance, somebody you know of who died of a fentanyl overdose. It's gotten to that point. There are so many people every single year, almost twice the number of people killed in Vietnam, the total of the war, a year overdosing on fentanyl. Me? It was uh, my high school quarterback, actually. I wasn't a friend, but I'm friendly. People are dying at a dangerous rate because of this drug. And the President of the United States could do one thing more so than any other. More so than any other to mitigate that. You're not going to eliminate it. You're never going to eliminate it. But you could mitigate it. You could seal the border. You could make protecting the border, for whatever reason anybody's coming across the southern border, make that a priority. It's not a priority for these people. They don't give a damn. A 100,000 people overdosing every year and dying. That's not just overdosing. Overdosing is probably, with Narcan, it's probably about a million or two million. A 100,000 people a year dying. From this drug, from this scourge, it's no big deal. They probably didn't vote. But keeping the border open brings in more potential eventual voters for Democrats than you're losing, even at a rate of 100,000 per year. And you say, well, that's pretty cold and calculated, Derek. There's no way. Trust me. They don't care. Any politician who tells you they really care, unless they've been personally impacted, they don't really care. If they cared, first of all, they'd do something. If Joe Biden cared, he'd do something about it. Everybody knows where the drugs are coming from. He doesn't even bring it up when he's talking to the president of Mexico or the president of China. He doesn't even bother to mention it. If he does, it's casual in passing. So don't tell me he cares. He's not willing to do the bare minimum to try and slow down the rate at which this drug is getting into the country. He's not bothering with that. He doesn't care. That leaves a couple of options. He's he just as a cold bastard who doesn't care. It's possible. Somebody who can ignore one of their grandchildren because he doesn't like the, you know, the fact that it was born out of wedlock. Is it somebody who's capable of that? But it could be, and I've been in rooms with these political people who make these sorts of callous calculations. You always hear the story of, well, if we, we built this car and if we were, there's a defect in this part and it could kill, I don't know, 15, 20 people a year and we'd have to pay out maybe a million dollars a year in settlements for this, but it would cost us $80 million a year to do a recall and replace this little widget part. So let's just plow ahead and uh, we'll pay out the settlements. It's cheaper. We've all heard that those stories. The validity of those stories is, you know, nebulous, I guess. I was never in the room. But I promise you, you believe that about corporate America, believe that about politicians too. Believe that about politicians, too. They're every bit as calculated and conniving as the worst stereotypes and lies you've heard about corporate America. It's not by accident. 
Joe Biden doesn't care. He doesn't, not that he doesn't get it. His family, his kid is a junkie, is an addict. Oh, he's recovered. He's in recovery, whatever. But the chances of Hunter backsliding, pretty big, pretty big. He was doing a lot of blow while he was vice president of the United States. What's the difference with president of the United States? The temptations had to be through the roof. So the possibility of Hunter coming across a batch of coke with some fentanyl in it, pretty high. I don't wish it on him. I'm not saying that. But pretty high. You would think the guy would care, but he's calculated that he won't. Or he doesn't care. Those are your two options. Those are really the only two options. I don't know which one is less disturbing. I don't know which one is more disturbing, but they're both pretty damn disturbing. Not surprising, but disturbing. Now, before we move on from the State of the Union address, let me see. Did I get all? Yeah. So we've got Joe Biden lying about Social Security. We've got Joe Biden lying about inflation. We've got uh, Joe Biden lying about fentanyl. The Joe Biden not caring about fentanyl. He's lying about abortion. Two more things he brought up. The, pro, the, uh, the attack on Paul Pelosi. Now, I, like, I don't have any... What happened to Paul Pelosi? You watch that video. There are some people who watch that video and, and see a tryst gone wrong. I'm not one of them. Of course, Paul Pelosi, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Paul Pelosi's going to be in his underwear, right? That's just, he's going to be sleeping, Okay. He probably wasn't wearing a shirt, but when uh, he was awoken by the guy, the crazy leftist in there, the BLM activist who wanted to kill his wife, he probably put on a shirt. He obviously hadn't been murdered by him. He found he was crazy enough that Paul Pelosi was able to call the police. And the 911 call made it pretty clear that the dude was in the room at the time when he was calling police. It wasn't so it's clear that this guy is insane. He's got mental problems. He's a leftist. They all have mental problems, don't they? But it's pretty clear. So of course the guy's gonna get dressed a little bit. You're not gonna want to sit there in your underpants. And he's holding on to the hammer. It it like it, the guy broke into the house. There's footage of him breaking, smashing into the house. So the idea that somehow there's, clearly they had a relation. No, it's not not how it is. And the guy tried to kill him with the hammer. So if the president wants to acknowledge him, that's perfectly fine and understandable. Joe Biden has known the Pelosi's for a long time, probably not the entirety of his political career or the entirety of Nancy's political career. But once she made it into leadership in the Democratic Party, yeah, you know her. The social circles in Washington, D.C. aren't that big. So you'd probably, plus Joe Biden somehow managed to become a multi-multi-millionaire while doing public service. Who better to help you do that than a guy who has the record that Paul Pelosi does for buying and selling stocks right at the right moment when you got the ear of the Speaker of the House. So if you want to think of it in those terms, think of it in those terms. Whatever the terms you think of it in, he knows them. And a lot of those people know Paul Pelosi. They know each other's spouses, their work colleagues. As much as they grouse about each other, like I say, they do go to events together. In adjacent districts, Republicans and Democrats, they will 
spend a lot of time together, get to know each other. So that he acknowledged Paul Pelosi and the horrible attack against him is perfectly fine. What's not perfectly fine is that Joe Biden, being Joe Biden, being a Democrat, being the type of people that these people are, tries to blame it on Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans on January 6th. He ties it in there. He perpetuates a lie. Now, why? Because the guy who attacked him said, where's Nancy? Now, when you're, if, you're, if you're insane and a violent monster and you're going into someone's house to kill that person and you do not find that person, you will... Fine, you will ask the question, where is that person? That's just common sense. It has nothing to do with, oh, bad, he was echoing the uh, the big lie. It was because Donald Trump said the election was stolen from him, and this guy was just this side of a January 6th protester. No, it's not true. The fact that Joe lies about this and Joe feels the need to lie about it and feels safe enough to lie about it is kind of telling. But I want you to listen to it because it it's cheap. It makes you realize that Joe does know Paul. Joe wants to acknowledge Paul, but he's only willing to do it if he can use Paul Pelosi, his friend, Paul Pelosi, as a weapon. The last few years, our democracy has been threatened and attacked, put at risk put to the test in this very room on January the 6th. And then just a few months ago, an unhinged big lie assailed and unleashed a political violence, the home of the then Speaker of the House of Representatives, using the very same language the insurrectionists used as they stalked these halls and chanted on January 6th. Here tonight in this chamber is a man who bears the scars of that brutal attack but is as tough and as strong and as resilient as they get. My friend, Paul Pelosi. Paul, stand up. Yeah, the crowd goes mild. His attack had nothing to do with January 6th. His attack was horrible and heinous, but it had nothing to do with January 6th. It had to do with the mental illness that is progressivism. He was a Black Lives Matter activist, lived in a hippie commune. Um, was as left as they come and wildly unstable. If anything, it had to do with mental illness. But again, liberalism really is a mental disorder, is it not? Anyway, uh, one more clip, I think, of Biden talking about oil. This is hilarious. He's complaining about oil companies making record profits, not wanting to... Record profit, yeah, the market has dictated the price of oil increase because the price of gasoline is and oil is priced in the futures market, meaning what it will cost in the future. Joe Biden has made everything indicate that oil will be way more expensive and harder to get in the future, so that increases the cost. Duh. But Joe thinks that because why don't these oil companies invest billions of dollars now to bring down the cost of the future price of oil. Even if they did, by the way, it wouldn't because the future is still the future. you got the President of the United States saying he's going to put 
oil companies out of business. Fossil fuels out of, he'll end fossil fuels. He promises he'll end fossil fuels. He has declared these companies the enemy of existence, not just the enemy of his, of him. It's the enemy of existence. How long would you let something that's the enemy of existence go on? Well, we'll let you go on for 10 years. Well, some of these places it'll take five, 10 years to not only get the oil out of the ground, but then set up the infrastructure to transport it. See, see what happens when you cancel the Keystone Pipeline in the middle of its construction, Joe? So how long did that thing take to get going with all the environmental groups suing any oil company who tries to build another one? Forget it. There's no point. If you're planning and you're pledging and you're pleading and you're promising to end the existence of this fuel source or the use of this fuel source, not the existence, it's not going to drain it all. It's just going to make it illegal to use. Then why in the hell would anybody make a five or 10 year investment when at most, maybe you got 10 to 15, 20 years? You'll never recoup that money. You'll be insane. Hold that money. Try and think about what might come next and try and get into that because the government is trying to put you out of business. And now he's grousing. They're not investing in these things. They're not drilling. They're not doing this. Well, you, you promised to, to kill them, essentially. Why the hell would they? So Joe then says, well, we're going we're gonna to need, I told them we're going to need oil for at least the next 10 years. That's kind of contrary to everything he's promising the Green New Deal hippies, though. But listen to him. And when I talk to a couple of them, they say, we're afraid you're going to shut down all the oil wells and all the uh, oil refineries anyway, so why should we invest in them? I said, we're going to need oil for at least another decade. And that's going to exceed (laughs) and beyond that. We're going to need it. Production. If they had, in fact, invested in the production to keep gas prices down, instead, they used the record profits to buy back their own stock. Yeah, because you made it impossible. Why would you invest? Hey, invest in something that'll take 10 years to see a return on that investment. And oh, by the way, I'm going to make sure that you can't buy a gasoline-powered car in, uh, you know, seven years. But go ahead, 10 years. Good luck to you. What kind of idiot CEO would take that bargain? None. None would. They'd be thrown out on their ass if they did. So... The laughter was great. I'm sure AOC shed a little tear, but that's uh, <coughs> that's what they deserve. <laughs> then we come to the response. Now, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I like Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I don't know her, but I mean, she was very pleasant when she was press secretary. She was certainly better than the three ring binder circus that's up there now and the idiot who can't string a coherent sentence together. But. She was in charge of the response. It's a thankless job. Nobody's ever really going to win. You watch. This is what I mean when I say that the worldview is polluted by which news source you use. And I highly recommend you check out other news sources rather than just the one that you you agree with. Just so, if only so you know what the the other side is doing and saying. Because on Fox, it was the it was better than the State of the Union. It was the best. It was amazing. It was the best uh, response speech ever. And there have been some really horrible response speeches, so it's not really all that big of a stretch to say that this was the best. But implicit in uh, this was a wonderful speech is the concept that it mattered, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The speech couldn't start until the networks cut away from the State of the Union address. Joe Biden's speech was so damn long 
that he never got, he, he didn't finish till like 10.20 or something like that. It took him another 10 or 15 minutes, seemingly, to get his butt out of the chamber. Cameras were there. The mics were open. The, the networks stayed with it. They wanted to take it. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders couldn't start. It was almost 11 o'clock. Not quite, but almost. It was way later than anybody was paying attention. You're sitting there watching Joe Biden talk to a bunch of Congress members they'd never heard of. They're going to flip the channel. So very few people, people who wanted to see the response, saw the response. That was it. I know I'm, I'm rain at your picnic or whatever, an ant at your picnic. I'm raining on you. It's tough. It's the truth. So very few people saw it. So all the hype on Fox, the people watching Fox already were right down with it. You watch MSNBC. She's not proposing any solutions. It's a horrible speech. And they spent most of their time talking about Joe Biden's speech. So unless you watch Fox, and they'll say, well, record number of Americans, more Americans tuned into Fox than, than any others. Okay, yeah, probably individually, but there are like seven other networks. Combined, five times the number of people who watched Fox watched it on the other networks. So just give you the sense of the scope and the scale that we're up against. That being said, there were some good moments in her speech. Sarah Huckabee Sanders blasting Democrats about flags and it just... Well, this clip speaks for itself, and I hope a lot of people heard it, and I hope it makes the rounds on social media for a very long time, because it's true and important. And while you reap the consequences of their failures, the Biden administration seems more interested in woke fantasies than the hard reality Americans face every day. Most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace. But we are under attack in a left-wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. Every day we are told we must partake in their rituals, salute their flags, and worship their false idols. All while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is. Your freedom of speech. That's not normal. It's crazy. And it's wrong. Make no mistake. Republicans will not surrender this fight. We will lead with courage and do what's right, not what's politically correct or convenient. Amen. Brilliant. I hope people heard that, hear it again, hear it time and time again, and spread it on your social media. Do the world a favor, do the country a favor, and spread that out there. But I promise you, as much attention that that will get from people on the right, the left will ignore it. Twice as hard. That's how they work. They are the ostrich party. Except they don't bury their head in the sand. They put it someplace far less pleasant. And putting your head in the sand is a really unpleasant thing. Next and finally for uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, we had a great line, a funny line, and a true line. Because all good comedy is based in truth. That's why so much of this left-wing comedy isn't funny. It's because it's all based on lies. It's based on stereotypes. It's based on caricatures. It's based on BS. Sarah Huckabee Sanders said a universal, undeniable truth. The left will try to deny it, but an undeniable truth about the choices Americans face. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. 
The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. Whether Absolutely, 100% true. The choice is between normal or crazy. Make no mistake. You can say it any way you want. It is that stark. It is between right and wrong or good and evil, however you want to do it. it there's no gray area here. The butchering of the bodies of children, the mental abuse of leftists trying to convince their kids that they are the, the groomers out there, that any parent who would take their kid to a drag queen story, all of this stuff. There's, there's right and there's wrong. There's normal and there's crazy. I defy anybody to watch any of this. The left tries to say, well, what's wrong? You just, it's transphobia. No, I, there's a guy grinding. They're gen, they're, I can't, there are some stories about these drag queen story hours that I can't even read you that involve uh, prostheses and penetration of prostheses in front of kids. And you sit there and you go, what the hell is wrong with these parents bringing them to it? And I would also add, what the hell is wrong with these drag queens? I don't care what you do with adults. But if you're a drag, if your job, if you're, your shtick, if your act is sexual in nature and you do it in front of kids, that means you're cool with doing it in front of kids. That's sick. That's perverse. That is problematic. That is borderline abuse, if not abuse, depending on the legal definition of where you live. So, yeah, parents are sick people for bringing their kids to it. But the the adult drag stars should also look out there and go, there's, there's a seven-year-old sitting right in the front row. You know what? Uh, let me talk to those parents. What are you, what are you doing? I, I, we'll refund your money or whatever. You're not... You can't bring a seven-year-old to this thing. You can't bring a kid to this. That's what they should do. That's what a normal person would do. You're not allowed to say that anymore because they're trying to redefine the new normal to be sick. Do not let it happen. One of the things Democrats have gotten exceedingly good at, and it's wildly, wildly dangerous, and you talk about Joe Biden, but, oh, we want to build the economy from the middle out, and the, not the top down, blah, blah, blah. They convince people that even if they're doing well, somebody doing better or somebody well off doing better is somehow a slight. Your salary went from 25000 to $50,000. You're doing really good. You got a raise, you got a promotion, you got whatever. And Elon Musk's net worth went from $100 billion to $125 billion. Well, you didn't get screwed. You didn't get screwed at all. Or somebody's salary went from $1 million to $1.5 million. You still didn't get screwed. Your salary doubled. But the left doesn't want you to think about how well you're doing relative to yourself. They want you to think about you're not doing as well as somebody else. And that's not fair. It's the equity argument. Equity is about the finish line for everybody. They want everybody to cross the finish line at the same time. The most equitable society we have on the planet is North Korea everybody's suffering except for the leadership. That's the way Democrats want it to be. They won't admit it, but that's what they want. So when you're doing better, you should be happy that you're doing better. If you want to do even better, if you want to be you know, $100 million or a billion dollars or whatever, you're going to have to work really hard and get lucky and create and take risks 
to do that. Otherwise, be content with that you're doing better. You've made it to $50,000. Your next goal is seventy-five dollars or $100,000, whatever it is. You aren't only making $50,000 a year because somebody else is making a million and a half dollars a year. It's not how it is. You're making that money because that's what the job you're doing is worth and will bear. Try and find another job. Try and find another industry, whatever. It's another job in the same industry that will pay you more. Be good enough at your job that if you go to leave, your employer says, wait, 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 don't go. What are you doing? I wanna, I'll want i pay you more. What are they paying you? I'll match it or I'll give you more. Don't go. You'll do better. But unless you're willing to risk everything and start a company and have a pretty damn good idea uh, that will work, you're probably never going to be mega rich. You just aren't. Or you got some skill, you're an athlete or an actor or whatever, then you can. But in general, you're just not. Small business owners can do quite well and you do a hell of a lot better than you started off with. That's what you should be measured against, not against somebody else. Somebody else risked everything. It's weird. We only recognize and uh, demonize the left only demonizes the people who are successful not the people who risk everything and go bankrupt or risk everything and go you know what i'm breaking even i'm doing all right i don't care about them they pretend they don't exist you are not whatever you are economically because elon musk is filthy rich or because somebody else is being paid a lot more money than you your pay in your factory job is not less because the CEO was being paid $10 million a year. It's not how it works. If they couldn't find anybody to do your job for your pay, they'd have to pay somebody, they'd have to pay more. Just how it is, because you need to get somebody in there to do the job. The left lies about these sorts of things all the time, and Joe Biden's speech was nothing but another perpetuation of those lies. Lastly today, I want to play this clip from Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan gets, oh, he said something conservative. So conservatives go talk. Joe Rogan, he's a super guy and oh, so important, blah, 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 blah. He's a leftist. He's not an activist leftist. And he says some things that aren't doctrinaire leftism, but he's a leftist. Make no mistake about it. Like Kanye, the, left, the right got a very excited. Oh, Kanye said some things that we like. This is great. Hey, let's put Kanye on for an hour. Let's do this for Kanye. Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. And then Kanye, you look at Kanye and you go, oh, well, wait a second. Wow, he hates Jews. What the hell? What is this crap? And you get embarrassed. You just crawled into bed with him because he said something you liked. Joe Rogan's the same thing. It doesn't matter how many things he says that you like. He says a lot of things you don't like too. And sooner or later, he is going to... Say something wildly stupid. And that's what he did. Do you see him sat, sitting next to Ilian Omar where she's uh, she's apologizing for talking about it's all about the Benjamins? Yeah. Which is just about money. She's right. talking she about money. She shouldn't have apologized. She, that I mean, was I'll not, go ahead that's not an anti-Semitic it. statement. I don't think that is. It's about Benjamins or money. You know, the, the idea that Jewish people are not into money is ridiculous. Listen. That's like saying uh, Italians aren't into pizza. <laughs> now, the other person there is Crystal Ball. She's the host of some other podcast, left winger, former MSNBC host, not a progressive, so she hates Israel. Joe Rogan's right there. Joe Rogan is seemingly whatever it is is in front of him. He'll agree with a conservative. He'll agree with a liberal. Oh, no. And saying Jews don't like money is like saying Italians aren't into pizza. Now, there's a bit of a difference. Uh, you're not. Jews didn't invent money. It's not a... <laughs> 
horrible trope used by governments to exterminate millions of people to say that Italians are into pizza. This is a warning to conservatives out there who somebody, oh, somebody famous, somebody whatever, somebody with a following. They said something we like. We must elevate them. We must elevate them. Oh, they're wonderful. And let's praise them and praise them and glory be. And... No. No, it happens all the time with these people. Kanye was the example before this. It happens all the time. Stop elevating these people. Make them earn it. We don't do that anymore. Nobody has to earn it. Just immediately, we're so desperate that we glom onto anything. Not me, but not you probably, but the conservative society. Anyway, we're out of time for today. Enough about that. More on a, another day. Have an awesome one. Be back here tomorrow where we'll do it all again. Thank you for listening. <laughs>